Thanks for taking time to watch this video message. Our mission here at Crosspoint is to relentlessly pursue those far from God with the hope and love of Jesus. And we pray that by watching, you experience both the hope and love he has to offer you. If you have questions or need more information on the ministries of our church, visit us online at crosspointcity.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Hey, it's great to see you guys here this morning. Um, Again, happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Hope it's a great day for you. Uh, Before we dive into the message here in just a moment, uh, I want to tell you about one quick thing, if I can. It's something I'm really excited about. It's something that I believe has the potential to change the landscape of discipleship, learning, and spiritual growth in our church. Uh, We are getting ready this week to release to our entire church a brand new resource called Right Now Media. Uh, The best way that I know how to describe Right Now Media is this. It's basically the Netflix of Bible studies. Literally on this website, there are over 10,000 video resources. Uh, Resources on parenting, resources on marriage, on finance, resources on leadership. There's a whole library of resources for your kids, for your teenagers. Uh, There's video resources that will take you through books of the Bible, uh, through some of the latest uh, Christian books that, that pastors and authors are writing today. It's an unbelievable resource that we want to use for the benefit of our church in the coming months. But, but we're releasing it to you this week, all right? We're going to use it more intentionally as time goes on. But, uh, but this upcoming week, look, you're going to get an email from us, an email that's going to provide a link for you to log on to Right Now Media to set up an account and to start accessing these resources. Now, look, look at me. Look, there's no catch. There's no cost. Uh, there's nothing uh, extra you need to know. We want to provide this to you so that you, on your own time, can learn to, to feed yourself spiritually. We're also, if you're a group leader, we're going to use this uh, in some pretty amazing ways for groups in the coming months. But, uh, but we want to at least go ahead and give it to you now in the summer so that you can get familiar with it, uh, work your way through the site, figure out what video resources are on there. And uh, if we don't have your email address... Like, if you're not sure whether or not you're in our database, do this before you leave, okay? Go to our connection desk in the lobby and leave your email address with us. We want to make sure that you get this. Even if you're a guest with us today, that's awesome. We'd love to give it to you for free as well, all right? It's our gift to you for for just showing up on the right day, okay? So make sure we have your email address before we leave and then be on the lookout for, uh, for the link this week, all right? Great. Well, hey, uh, we're diving in to our sermon series, Best Sermon Ever, and uh, last week we started a very important conversation on prayer as part of this series. And if you were here last week, you know that we spent our time together learning from Jesus how not to pray. Now, if you couldn't be here for whatever reason, I would really encourage you to log on to crosspointcity.com sometime this week and to watch that message because it's going to help get you caught up with this conversation, all right? Now, look, right after Jesus in Matthew 6 teaches us how not to pray, he uses what we know as the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to pray. And beginning today, over the next four weeks, we're going to learn from Jesus uh, as we dig into this prayer exactly what prayer is, how you and I should pray, and the rewards that ultimately belong to us when we practice prayer correctly. And so if you have a Bible with you or a device with a version app, uh, go ahead and get those things. Go to Matthew chapter 6. 
Matthew chapter 6 with me. And as you're making your way there, I'll go ahead and let you know that the first thing Jesus teaches us about prayer is how to address God when we pray. Now look, I think we could all agree this morning that the way we address a person in conversation is highly important. And the reason's simple, because your address of that person ultimately sets the tone for the entire conversation. Am I right? Like, for example, if you're married, uh, you have a choice to be kind or to be rude when addressing your spouse, don't you? Like, if your go-to address is, hey, dummy, I'm going to go ahead and just guess that you probably don't have too many meaningful conversations with your husband or your wife. Uh, If you're a parent in the room, you have a choice when you address your kids to be calm or to be confrontational. And again, I'm assuming if your go-to address is always confrontation, uh, your relationships with your kids, they're probably stressed and they're probably strained a lot of the time, right? Uh, When meeting new people, you have a choice. You can be cold and off-putting, or you can be warm and inviting when addressing them. And if your go-to address is cold and off-putting, chances are you might have a hard time making friends. And if you're single, you probably have a hard time getting a date, right? We're praying for you, by the way. But, but again, the idea is this. The idea is this. The way that you address someone is highly important because your address ultimately sets the tone for your entire conversation. Now, look, the same is true when it comes to prayer. The way that you address God in prayer matters. You see, it's your address of him that ultimately sets the tone of your entire conversation with him. And with that in mind, we're going to dive in and read Matthew 6, verse 9 together. And I want you to see how Jesus tells us to address God in prayer. Look at this. It's really, really simple. This is the only phrase we're going to talk about today. Jesus tells us, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Now look, I bet even if you didn't grow up in or around church, you've probably heard someone say something really similar to that phrase as they've prayed, right? Most people often today, they'll say it like this, dear heavenly father. How many of us have heard someone pray using that phrase? Most of us in the room, right? Look, I'd bet, I'd bet that most of us probably don't give much thought to that phrase, do we? And even in our own prayer lives, we probably rush past it most oftentimes in order to get to those things that, that we think are more urgent and more important. But I'm praying that might change for us today. Look, I want you to understand this address that Jesus offers us is something that we should never rush past. Instead, this really simple phrase, I'm convinced, should give us great pause as we approach God. It should cause us to worship him, to stand in awe of him. And this short little four-word phrase should ultimately transform and inform the way that we speak to God in prayer. And to make sense of why that should be the case, today we're going to talk about four great truths that the address of prayer should bring to mind every time we pray. So if you're taking notes, I want you to get ready to write some stuff down, all right? First, the address of prayer should remind us that prayer belongs to sons and daughters. That prayer belongs to sons and daughters. Uh, when Jesus was here on the earth, the everyday language that he and his disciples spoke was Aramaic. Now, some of you guys might know this, but the Aramaic term for father is Abba. It's a term that Jewish children would have used during Jesus' day to refer to their earthly fathers. Now, it's kind of hard to translate that word into English. Like some people suggest that Abba means daddy, 
but in reality, it probably falls somewhere between daddy and father. But look, nonetheless, the term still conveys the ideas of intimacy, of warmth, of authority, and personal relationship. Now, here's why that's important. Because during Jesus' time on the earth, the Jewish people would have never dreamed of approaching God with such a personal and intimate title. Whenever they prayed, they would use titles to address God such as Sovereign Lord or King of the Universe. Yet when Jesus prayed, what did he say? He said, Abba, Father. That's what he used as the title when referring to or addressing God. And and why? Well, it's simple because as the Bible teaches, Jesus is the Son of God. Meaning that he has every right to call on God as his Father. And here's what's so amazing. Jesus gives that same right to every person who puts their faith and trust in him as Savior and Lord. Look at these verses with me that make this truth so clear. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Look at this next one with me, Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, what? Well, the same thing Jesus cried out when he spoke to God in prayer, Abba, Father. And then finally, look at Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. In love, he, God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Look, according to these verses we just read, two big things are true. One, only Jesus can make us sons and daughters of God. That's first and foremost. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it in mere Christianity. He said that the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Look, in coming to this earth wrapped in flesh to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death in our place for our sins, the death that we deserved, and to ultimately raise from the dead to conquer sin, death, and hell on our behalf, Jesus opened the way for us to interact with God in a very personal and intimate manner. You see, you and I don't have to approach God as as a slave master or an angry dictator, as some of us might think he is. But instead, because of Jesus, we get to approach God now as our good father, confident that he loves us in the same way that he loves his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that unreal? You see, God, we can know today that he is committed to caring for us, to providing for us, to being for us all we need him to be. And why? Well, because that's what good, loving fathers do for their children. Look, let me say it again. Only Jesus can make us sons and daughters of God. Other belief systems can't do it. Other world religions can't do it. You can't make yourself a son or daughter of God. You know that, right? Can't be good enough, can't come to church enough, can't be moral enough, can't follow enough rules. Only the Son of God has the ability to make men and women sons and daughters of God. The second truth contained in the verses we read is this, and I've already said it, that prayer only belongs to sons and daughters. Look, this might come as a shock to some of us, but prayer isn't for everyone. You get that, right? You see, it's only those who have become sons and daughters of God through Jesus that have the right to call on God as their father in prayer. 
Now, in case you have issue with that, like, oh, James, that's hard, man. I don't know if I can get my head around that. Think about it like this, all right? If you're a parent in the room, how differently do you interact with, care for, and provide for your child versus like the teenage kid down the street in your neighborhood? I mean, think about it. Like if that kid came up to you this afternoon and said, uh, hey, dad, can I get 20 bucks? Like, how would you respond to him? You'd probably think he had lost his mind, right? One, because you're not his dad. And two, because you probably don't make it a point to hand out money to kids who aren't your kids, right? Is that fair? I would bet that the intimacy of your relationship with your own children is very different than it is with kids who aren't your children. Is that fair? Look, it's the same with God. While God is the creator of all things and all people, while he has a general love and a common grace for all of his creation, God still interacts very differently with those who belong to him as sons and daughters. And the ability that we've been given to call on him as our father in prayer is great proof of that. Listen, if you're a son or daughter in the house today, if you know Jesus, I pray that this truth might remind you of how unbelievable it is that you get to pray and call on God as your father. Look, you have a privilege provided to you that is not provided to everyone. It's a privilege that literally cost Jesus his life. Prayer is an amazing thing for that, for that fact. Uh, if you're in the room today and you're not a son or daughter, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're here as a skeptic or are you just trying to check this thing out. Look, I, I would encourage you, put your faith in him. I want you to know God loves you today. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made, how you have messed up, God loves you. And he wants a relationship with you as a son or as a daughter. And please don't miss this. Look, until you put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord and come into that son-daughter relationship with God the Father, prayer is impossible for you. It only belongs to sons and daughters. The second truth that the address of prayer reminds us of is this, that sons and daughters never pray alone. Sons and daughters never pray alone. I love this. It's amazing to think about. According to the Bible, when you and I go to God in prayer and we call on him as our father, Jesus the Son and God the Holy Spirit go in with us and they call on God at the same time. It's unbelievable. We're going to look at some verses together to make sense of it, all right? Hebrews 7.25 says this. Consequently, he, that's Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Look, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. That Jesus day in and day out is praying for us. He's going to God who is his father and also our father And he's seeking the heart of our Father together on our behalf as his followers and as his friends. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it unreal to know that when you call on God in prayer, that Jesus isn't just sitting in heaven twiddling his thumbs? He's not checking out on you as if your issues or your problems are too much for him. When you pray, Jesus is praying right along with you. And he's asking the Father to have his way in your life. Isn't that amazing? Now look, it gets better. It gets better. Romans 8. Verses 26 and 27. Look at this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes or or he prays for the saints 
according to the will of God. How unreal is this? To know that the very Spirit of God who lives inside of our bodies, if we know Jesus, is constantly going to God on our behalf, and he's helping us by praying for us. In those moments when we feel weak, when we don't know what to pray for, even when we're busy praying for all the wrong things, the Holy Spirit is going to God the Father, and he is praying to him according to God's will for our lives. I'll give you a picture of this from my own life. And, and by the way, this comforts me. Like, I don't know if it comforts you. It comforts me because I can be guilty at times of praying according to my own will. You ever done that? You ever asked for God or ask things from God selfishly because you're convinced that what you want is the best thing for you? Again, I'll give you a picture, okay? And this is really trivial. It's a ridiculous example, but it makes the point. So stay with me, okay? A couple weekends ago, uh, I took our elders on a retreat, the elders of Cross Point City Church excuse me, church, and uh, part of the retreat included a fishing trip. We were up at Big Canoe in Jasper, Georgia, rented this fishing pontoon boat. We go out on the lake early in the morning, and uh, I get a spot on the back right-hand corner of the boat. Well, I have a guy a few few feet from me on my right. Uh, Another guy is a few feet from me on my left. We're using the same setup. We're using the same bait. We're fishing at the same depth. The guy on my right's catching fish. The guy on my left is catching fish. I'm not catching fish. And so after a little while, I start getting frustrated. And so here's what I did. And you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Sitting in my chair, I I prayed this prayer. God, would you just let me catch one fish? (laughs) Seriously, I did. My elders have no idea I prayed this, but I did. God, just one fish. That's all I want. Look, unfortunately, my prayers did not work like I hoped they would because I still didn't catch a fish. The only thing I got by the end of the day was a sympathy catch. And if you're wondering, James, what's a sympathy catch? Well, look, I'll tell you. We had rods and reels set up at different places on the boat. Like one of our elders had brought several uh, rods and reels with us. And so I'm fishing, using my own rod and reel, getting nothing. And two feet from me, a rod and reel gets hit, right? Fish on. And so one of our elders, he says, James, just grab it, reel it up, man. And I'm sitting here going, I'm not going to be that guy, bro. Like, I'm not going to be sympathy catch guy. But he stays on me. No, seriously, pick it up. So I pick the stupid rod and reel up, and I reel it up completely against my will. That's a sympathy catch. Unbelievable. Look, all I could figure out by the end of the day was this. That maybe, just maybe, as I was praying, the Holy Spirit's behind the scenes praying at the same time. And he's saying, look, I know what, God, I know what James is praying for. He's praying that, that he would catch a fish. But, but what James really needs is deeper levels of humility in his life. So today, all he's going to need is a sympathy catch, right? Again, trivia, ridiculous example. I'm way over-spiritualizing it, but it makes the point. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He has our backs behind the scenes. He's going to God on our behalf, and he's saying to the Father, I know this person. I live inside of their bodies. I know their thoughts. I know their desires. And Father, I know what they're praying for, but that's not what they need. Let me ask you for what it is they really need. Church, look. As sons and daughters, we never pray alone. The third thing that this address of prayer reminds us of is this, that prayer is for we, not just me. Prayer is for we, not just me. Did you notice in verse 9 that we read earlier uh, that Jesus tells us to call on God as our Father, not my Father? Did you catch that? Look, if you'll read the rest of the Lord's Prayer, you'll actually find that every pronoun, you guys know what a pronoun is, right? If you don't Google it later this afternoon, but every pronoun in the Lord's prayer is 
plural. In other words, Jesus teaches us how to pray using us and our, not me and mine language. And why does he do that? Well, it's simple. To remind us every time we pray that we are part of something much larger than our individual selves. And that something that we're a part of, by the way, is called the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean little C, cross point city church. I mean the big C church. All of God's sons and daughters who have ever lived, who are alive now, who will live in the future, spread out to the ends of the earth. When we pray, we are not calling on God as our individual father, but as the father of every son and daughter all over the globe. Isn't that unreal to think about? Look, because that's true, don't miss it. Because that's true, you and I can't ever afford to pray like we're only children. Right? In other words, you and I, we can't pray selfish, me-centered prayers. If all you're ever praying about is what you're facing, what you need, what you want, I'm telling you, you're missing out on all that prayer is meant to be. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's not wrong to pray for myself. It's wrong to pray only for myself. Write that down. It's not wrong to pray for myself. It's wrong to pray only for myself. Church, God has called us to pray for each other as sons and daughters of the same Father. Prayer, again, is for we, not just me. Now, if you're wondering, well, James, what does that look like? And how can I intentionally pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I'll give you some ways to do it, all right? If you're taking notes, again, you can write these things down. Um, First, make it a point to pray for your Christian friends. Go to them. Ask them on a regular basis what they're struggling with what life issues they're facing. Ask them about how things are going in in certain aspects of their marriage or their job. Those are the two pieces of life that people tend to struggle in the most. And when they tell you, look, when they tell you, write it down, make a list, and then pray for them each day by name. And if you're the person in the room who's thinking, well, James, I don't really have many Christian friends. Can I tell you how to solve that? Get in a group here at Crosspoint. That's how you do it. Connect with other people from this church, meet some people, and then you'll have some people to pray for, okay? The second thing is this. The second thing is this. Uh, pray for the other people that make up this local church called Cross Point City Church. I know with services all day long, uh, you have no idea who all makes up this church. But look, can I tell you, that's okay. God knows. And God knows exactly what every person at Cross Point is facing. And you can still pray for the people that make up this church in spite of not knowing their names. Look, thirdly, thirdly, I'd ask that you pray for for me as your pastor and for the other pastors and directors on our staff team. I'll be honest and tell you, we need your prayers. We are people just like you, which means that we deal with temptation. We deal with stress. We make mistakes. We fail at times. Our families go through stuff. There are days we wake up and we feel overwhelmed. We don't know if we have what it takes to do what God has called us to do. Our enemy is after us, just like he's after you. And we know that if our enemy has his way in our lives, that it has the potential to devastate and derail the lives of countless numbers of people. And so again, selfishly, I'm going, man, would you just pray for us? We need your prayers. And and please know, look, from the bottom of my heart, and you can ask our staff if I'm lying, we pray for you all the time. Would you pray for us? The fourth thing is this. uh, Pray for other churches in Cartersville, in Bartow County, and all over Northwest Atlanta. Look, you guys know other churches aren't the competition, right? You get that. 
As long as another church is preaching Christ and him crucified, we are on the same team. We're not in battle with the other guys out there trying to reach people. My prayer as your pastor is this, that every church in our area would reach more and more people who are far from God. They'd grow those people up, they'd disciple them, they'd teach them, and they'd send them back out to reach more and more people who are far from God. And why? Because as long as other churches are reaching more people and growing, it means that the kingdom of God is expanding. And that's what you and I should care about. You see, our goal at Crosspoint cannot be to grow the Crosspoint kingdom. Our goal has to be to grow the kingdom of God, which is why we should be praying that every local church in our area would reach people and accomplish kingdom work. And then lastly, would you pray? Would you pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world? Pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. I think it's fitting that that we have our friend Juan Pablo here in the house today representing Bolivia. We need to be praying for our friends there. Do you know that right now uh, in our world there are brothers and sisters living in places where they are being hunted down, persecuted, and even killed for their faith in Jesus? Look, they need us to be praying for them. An easy way to do that? is is by uh, going online. Look, I've given you these uh, websites before. I'm going to give them to you again. Persecution.com, joshuaproject.net, operationworld.org. Write these things down. Put them in your phone. These are great uh, websites on which you can find the stories of real people in different places all over the globe that need your prayers, brothers and sisters in Christ. I would say to make it a point regularly to log on to these websites and to use them uh, as you're praying for other people other than just yourself. I'll say it again. Prayer is for we, not just me. We need to be praying for brothers and sisters as sons and daughters of the same Father. But lastly, lastly, the address of prayer should remind us that we pray to a sovereign Father. That we pray to a sovereign Father. Uh, when Jesus tells us, to address in prayer God as our Father in heaven. That in heaven phrase isn't a reference so much to where God is. Instead, it's a reference to who God is and what he can do. More specifically, Jesus is making reference to God's sovereignty. Now, to say that God is sovereign simply means this, that he is the ultimate ruler of the universe that all things exist under his power and under his control and that nothing happens outside of his permission and direction. Now look and listen, please don't miss this. That's not to say that God is the cause of everything that happens in our lives. If you were here a few weeks ago during our Dumb Things Smart Christians Believe series, you heard me teach this on the week that I addressed the dumb belief that everything happens for a reason. You see, oftentimes God, because he's in control of all things, often gets blamed as the cause of all things when in fact he's not. Oftentimes bad things will happen in our lives as a result of our own sinful, foolish decisions. Other times bad things happen in our lives uh, simply due to the fact that we live in a world that has been broken and devastated by sin. And yet other times even our obedience to God brings on hardship, suffering, and persecution because everyone in this broken, sinful world doesn't love God and his way of life. But here's the great news. Look, because God is sovereign, he is both able and committed to taking anything that happens in the lives of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, no matter how bad those things may be, and working them for good. 
In other words, our sovereign father will never let anything that we face in life go to waste. Somehow, some way, he's going to take our experiences and he's going to use them to make us more like Jesus so that he can work out his purposes in and through our lives. I'm confident, I'm convinced that this truth about the sovereignty of God should give us so much peace as we pray to him. I mean, think about it. If God truly is in control of all things, if he's powerful, if there's nothing that, that he doesn't have power and control over, why in the world would you and I ever need to pray panicked, worried, stressed out prayers? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? A panicked, worried, or stressed out prayer? Look, I'll be honest and tell you that I found myself praying like that just this past week. Uh, last Saturday, my youngest daughter, Selah, who's only three months old, uh, had a few strange episodes. We didn't know what was going on, so uh, we called the doc on Monday morning, took her in. And when my wife described to our pediatrician what was happening, the pediatrician immediately sent us to the emergency room at Children's Hospital in Atlanta due to fear that, that my girl was having seizures. And so we jump in the car, and as you might expect, we're panicked, we're worried, we're stressing out. Uh, we drive down, we sit in the emergency room all afternoon, and the doctor there tells us, you know, I'm not sure if it's seizures, I don't know if it's something else, uh, we need to have an EEG done. So we take her back to Children's the next day. Uh, I see my three-month-old with all these wires attached all over her head, and, and we're having this test done, and uh, we have to leave and go back the next day to meet with the neurologist and, uh, and get the results. Look, praise God, everything came back normal. There were no signs of seizure activity, and we're so grateful for that. But in the midst of all the waiting and the wandering, between Saturday and Wednesday, I found myself praying very panicked, worried prayers. And it was during one of those prayers that I, I sensed God, our sovereign Father, speaking to my heart and saying this, James, I know you feel helpless and I know you feel out of control, but do not forget that I am not helpless and that I am still in control. I'll tell you, that moment changed the way that I started praying for my daughter. It gave me peace and confidence that no matter the outcome of our situation, that God had us. Look, I don't know what you're facing today, but I just remind you that God has you. You might feel stressed out. You might feel worried. There, there might be something going on in your life that has you panicked. You might feel helpless and out of control. And I believe that God wants me to remind you today that he's powerful, that he's not helpless, that he's still in control, and that he is always committed to the good of his loved sons and daughters. But look with me at what Pastor Warren Wiersbe says about the sovereignty of God. I love this. He says, we can enter each day with the assurance that the Lord is on his throne above us, providentially guiding us and our circumstances, and that he's also with us, giving us the grace we need for each task and challenge. Church, here is the beauty of prayer. You ready? Please don't miss it. Every day we have the opportunity to pray to a big, powerful, sovereign God who is seated on his throne, ruling and reigning over the universe. And we get to call on that God as our Father, confident that he loves us, that he's there for us, that he cares for us, that he's committed to being for us all that we need him to be in those moments when we need him the most. He's our Father. And we need to address him and pray to him as such. 
Look, let me tell you how we're going to close, all right? Um, We're going to spend the next few minutes simply calling on God as our Father in heaven. Uh, The band, they're going to come back out in just a moment, and they're going to lead us in a song, a song that I love called This I Believe. Uh, It's a song that declares so many of the great truths that we've talked about today, truths about who God is and truths about uh, what ultimately makes prayer possible. And I'll tell you like I told you last week, I don't care if you stand and sing, I don't care if you want to sit in your seat and pray. I don't care if you want to kneel at your chair or kneel at the front of this room. I just want you to spend time calling on God as your Father. And so I want to invite you all over the room just to bow your heads with me. We're going to get our hearts ready for this moment. Father, I'm just praying that you would meet with us here. God, I'm praying that, uh, that we wouldn't take it lightly. God, the privilege that has been given to us to call on you in prayer as our Father. So God, in these next few moments as we do that, I'm just praying that you would speak to our hearts in, uh, in powerful ways. God, take the, the veils off some of our eyes, God. Those uh, in the room that, that are having a hard time seeing you as that good, loving Father that you are, God, I pray that you'd move in our hearts in a life-changing way today. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, um, I, I would regret it if I didn't do this. Look, maybe you walked into the room today and you're not a son or daughter of God. You know that. You've never put your faith in him as Savior and Lord. Look, w- would you pray today to God, maybe for the first time in your life, and change that? Would you put your faith in Jesus and come into a relationship with, with the God who wants to love you and care for you and be there for you and and provide for you the life that he created you to live. Look, if you need to make that decision, you can just say something like this to God right now in prayer. Just say, God, I know that I'm a sinful person. I know that I'm approaching you today as as a person who's not a son or a daughter, but God, I want that to change. I believe that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus here to die for me and to raise from the dead so that I could become a new person so that I could come into your family and be loved and accepted by you. And God, I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. So I'm saying yes to Jesus today, right now in this moment. God, make me a part of your family and make me into the person that you would have me to be. Look, if you just prayed that or something like it, I just want to welcome you into the family of God. It's amazing to know that that by faith, in Christ our whole lives can change so I'm going to remind you this at the end but before you leave today just tell somebody tell somebody about what you've done and we'd love to give you some resources that are going to help you get started in your new relationship with him God for the rest of us would you just make yourself so real in this place God we love you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus who who makes prayer possible Amen Amen